da 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 You almost started the singing the wrong theme song. This is Bedtime Stories with Thompson, and we are reading The Oregon Trail by Francis Parkman. Chapter 2. What's the name of Chapter 2? Jumping Off. Jumping Off. Another day and a half brought us to Fort Leavenworth and to the nearby camp of our British fellow travelers. After supper, we held a council by the ruddy light from a distant prairie grass fire. We learned that Mr. R., the Englishman, had taken command of his group in Westport, and what he had to tell us caused quite a bit of anger among us. Do you mean to say, I asked him in complete amazement, that although you took it on yourself to change the route we'd all agreed on, and to do so without consulting us, not a single one of you knows the way? Now, now, Mr. Parkman, broke in R., soothingly, No need to be concerned. We'll just follow the trail from here of those cavalry companies who rode up to Fort Laramie last summer. Their route will take us to the Platte River, and from there we shall follow the trail of the Oregon immigrants up the valley of the Platte. Easiest thing in the world. Now I suggest we jump off day after tomorrow. But Quincy and I did not share R's confidence. The next day we rode a few miles beyond Fort Leavenworth to visit with the trader at a Kickapoo Indian village. There we shared good wine and said our farewells. By sunrise of the following morning all was prepared and we jumped off. Riding in advance I looked back and saw the line of scattered horsemen stretching for a mile or more. Far in the rear crept the white wagon of our English companions. It was drawn by six mules and crammed with provisions for six months and enough ammunition for an army. Quincy and I still felt uneasy at R's route. After a ride of an hour or two, a familiar cluster of buildings appeared ahead. Hello, shouted a voice. Where are you going? It was the Kickapoo trader. We had gone miles out of our way and had not advanced an inch toward the Rocky Mountains, so we turned in the direction he indicated, Quincy and I exchanging knowing looks. With the sun for a guide, we headed across the plain. We struggled through thickets, we waded brooks, We crossed green prairies, expanding before us mile after mile. "'Here's the way at last!' shouted the captain as he spotted the tracks of a large body of horsemen. With our tempers somewhat improved, we turned joyfully and followed this new course. The next morning, our trail led us to a stream that was wide and deep and looked particularly muddy. Delorier, now in the lead with his cart, jerked the pipe from his mouth and urged his mules on with his whip and some choice French curses. In plunged the cart. It got halfway across the stream, then stuck fast. Delorier leaped into the stream knee-deep and, with whip and curses flying even harder and faster, coaxed the mules out of the mud. Our English friend's long team and heavy wagon approached, but, right, their teamster stopped on the brink. Now my advice is, began the captain, drive on, cried R. (coughs) But Wright hadn't made up his mind yet what to do. So he sat quietly on one of the mules, whistling to himself. My advice is, continued the captain, that we unload the cart, otherwise we shall surely stick in the mud. Drive on, drive on, cried R impatiently. Meanwhile, Wright had made up his mind. He suddenly whipped his six mules and loosed a stream of rich American curses and oaths that, after Delorier's French, sounded like the roaring of a heavy cannon after the pops of firecrackers. 
The mules dived into the mud. Wright lashed and swore like a madman until the animals reached the far bank. As for the wagon, it was hubbed deep in the mud and settling deeper every moment. There was nothing to do now but unload the wagon, dig out the wheels, and build a path of bushes and branches to dry land. Interruptions like this occurred four or five times a day for two weeks, slowing considerably our progress to the Platte River. The grassy plains were a beautiful scene, but the traveler, however enthused at the scenery, will find his wagon sticking in the mud, his horses breaking loose, his harness giving way, and his wagon axles proving unsound. But he will find his bed to be a soft one, of the richest black mud. For food, the traveler must content himself with biscuits and dried salted meats, for, strange as it may seem, this region produces little game. Indeed, as he advances, he will see, crumbling in the grass, the vast antlers of the elk, and farther on, the whitened skulls of the buffalo that once swarmed over this now deserted land. Yet to make up for this unexpected lack of game, the traveler will find himself beset with countless varmints. Wolves will entertain him with a concert at night and skulk around him by day, just beyond rifle shot. His horse will step into badger holes. From every marsh and mud puddle will arise the bellowing, croaking, and trilling of legions of frogs. Numerous snakes will glide away from under his horse's feet or quietly visit him in his tent at night, while the stubborn humming of clouds of mosquitoes will banish sleep from his eyelids. When the traveler, thirsty with a long ride in the scorching sun, comes at last to a pool of water and attempts to drink, he will discover a troop of young tadpoles frolicking in the bottom of his cup. Add to this prairie scene a sun that beats upon the traveler all morning with a suffocating, penetrating heat and a thunderstorm that rises and drenches him to the skin every afternoon at about four o'clock. Such is travel upon the prairies. One day we happened upon four soldiers from Fort Leavenworth. After talking with them, Quincy reddened, but not from the prairie sun. That ah, blast him, he fumed, scowling. Thanks to him, we're lost again. What do you mean? I asked. What did those fellows say? We've missed the trail entirely. Instead of moving toward the Platte, we've been heading for a village of Iowa Indians nowhere near the Platte. That are... Quincy went on more calmly. Those soldiers said our best plan now is to head north until we reach the St. Joseph's Trail. Some Oregon immigrants took that trail from St. Joseph, Missouri a few weeks ago. That'll lead us west to the main Oregon Trail. We rode on in an extremely bad temper. After all our hardships, we still had not found the trail to Oregon, and now it would take longer than expected. The next day, we arrived at the St. Joseph's Trail and found the many tracks of the emigrants. We turned our horses' heads west, towards Fort Laramie. It would be a 700-mile trip if we did not get lost again. End of chapter 2. Boy, it's tough going, huh? Yeah. It's not like today with the highways, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's all we have time for tonight. Uh, uh, yeah. Good night. I, yeah, I'm coming up next. Chapter 3.